Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Be Brown Bag. Today we have Joe Silvaggi uh, at VM Prime on Twitter and he has a very special session today which is ask for the VCDX process, the chance to ask the panelists all your burning questions. Uh, I'll let Joe introduce himself in a little bit but just some quick notes. Uh, you can get in on the conversation during the recording and after the recording you can tweet to us at bbrownbag we have several channels you can also use the hashtag at bbrownbag or at, i'm sorry hashtag bbrownbag or hashtag bctx and remember we have several sessions uh, the us is our most popular one on wednesday night but we don't normally do emia on tuesday latin on thursdays in spanish so without further ado i'm going to send control over to joe and Joe, go ahead and introduce yourself. I, I, I think you're pretty famous, but maybe someone doesn't know you. <laughs> so hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Joe Savaji. I'm uh, VCDX number 175, uh, both DCV and NV. Uh, I am a solutions architect in our customer success organization at VMware. Uh, been at VMware for a while, coming up on five years now. Uh, I'm an active panelist and a big contributor to the VCDX program. So let me get shared here. Coming through all right for you? All right, so um, in talking with a, a few of the people over at the, the V Brown Bag, I wanted to get the opportunity to kind of get to the broader community around the VCDX. Um, not only kind of show you guys some of the things that are coming, uh, from an enablement standpoint, but also give you the chance to ask really any questions that you want. Um, I know one of the things that sometimes can be difficult is access to the panelists, um, and just in our attempt to show more transparency in the program, figured this was a good forum to do it in. Um, so a couple of quick updates for everybody. Blueprints for VCDX6 is already out. The other tracks, uh, cloud, desktop, and NV should be coming soon. I'll say by the end of 2017 for all of them. Um, I know NV was just finished up, so they will start flowing out here soon. To give you guys an idea of why there's such a delay on these, they're all volunteer efforts by panelists. Uh, it, it takes upwards of 20, 30, 40 hours to get these done, and it's, it's more of a challenge in the uh, scheduling everybody to be on the phone at the same time. But one to let everyone know these are coming. Uh, another piece, too, is the official process around getting your double, triple, and or quad. Um, um, Joe, just, just to stop a little bit. Yeah. Did you expand to full screen? Because I'm, I'm still seeing, like, the preview. Oh, are you? Okay. How's that? Mm, nope. <laughs> Aha, all right, hang on one second here. So you're not seeing anything at this point? I do see, but I still see the, the first slide highlighted and I see the, the thumbnails on the left. Okay, so you are seeing, you are seeing the overall VC, the VCDX process for additional right now or no? No, I'm seeing uh, number one. Okay. I'm wondering if it completely bombed out of me. Hang on one quick second. Let me try.
Nope. Yeah, I completely bombed out of the, uh, the session. Do you want me to take back control and make you presenter again? Because I do see. Yeah, yeah. Take back send it, send it back over and see if uh, see if we sure. can get it going. No worries. All right, let's try now. All right, seeing it now? Yep, yep. Uh, just just uh, if you All right, there present full screen and, and that should be good. Okay, seeing it in full screen? Nope. <laughs> but at least I, I see a change <laughs> this time. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave it in small screen for now for the sake yeah. of uh, functionality at this point. So are you, you seeing the VCDX process for additional at this point? I'm seeing blueprint updates. <laughs> All right, we're going to do this without slides, I'm guessing. No, it, it seems to be yeah, whenever just, you it, try to do the full screen, it freezes. All right, go ahead and take it back. I just won't do full screen. Exactly. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. I blame Mac. Yeah, for some reason. Okay. Yeah, it keeps, bump, it keeps bumping me off every time. Okay. Well, lesson learned. All right, there we go. Okay, so you see VCDX process? Yes. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to touch it. All right. So getting back to this, um, this is one of the things that it has. It's been announced through the workshops, but this is more of just to get the information out in the community. Previously, when you would go for a double or more, you'd submit your application and go through what we would refer to as an interview. Uh, unfortunately, we had some, I'll say, miscommunications about the intent of that interview. It is effectively a defense. So going forward, we are saying you have to go through a one-hour defense along with your application. Normal defense for your first is 75 minutes. This will be 60 minutes over the phone, only on your design, no scenario. Um, big reason we did this was just to make sure it's clear that you are effectively having to defend your design decisions along with us making sure that that is actually your design. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, second piece is we removed the ability to do these in person. Um, we piloted that last year. We saw real no benefit to either the candidate or us since you've already done your in-person on your first one. So this was really just to save travel and expense. So it is a one-hour phone WebEx similar to your first defense, you know, short presentation, go through Q&A, done. So with that out of the way, I kind of wanted to talk for a few minutes about what we're doing to enable the community. Um, our attempts previously with doing some of the different workshops, um, it's gotten to the point now we're trying to find different ways to engage the community as a whole. So some of the things I've gone to Carl Childs in the, in the program with is how do we expand on um, the workshops? Uh, previously, these workshops were, <coughs> excuse me, VMworld only, and at certain VMUG user cons throughout the world. Unfortunately, the VMworld ones, you know, not everyone can get to those. Same thing for the user cons. They were kind of scattered. 
sometimes the day of the event kind of eating into the, the user count and then sometimes the day before, which people couldn't do both. So attendance on those was kind of limited. So the first thing was taking the online workshop piece and expanding it. A couple of years ago, Chris Claudia and I did a larger one that had about 350 people, but it was in a form where you could not ask questions or you could, but it was through typing Q&A. And part of what makes the VCX workshop so, in my opinion, good is the, the interaction. So what I piloted back in April, <laughs> excuse me, was to actually do a online workshop with 50 or less people and leaving the audio bridge open to where you can just interrupt and ask questions. Very open form, very similar to the way I do them in person. Um, this, this initial one was hugely successful. Um, the survey that we did afterwards, everyone loved it, saw value in it, would recommend it, so we decided to go forward with these. So we did two last week, and then from here on out there will be one every four to six weeks. So the goal here is just to try and reach as many people as we can outside the confines of having to be in person, because we know not everyone can make the in-person events. These workshops, I really consider to be pretty much required, you know, you don't actually require it, but if you want to be successful, the amount of information that comes in these workshops now is key in helping you pass your VCDX. Can you pass without it? Yes, but this will definitely make things easier on you. We're not lowering the bar of the certification, we're just trying to enable people to be more successful. If you want to see the dates, VCDX calendar with the link there, you can pull up the links for the rest of the year and actually go through and register. So this is something, the candidate prep call. This is something new. We just started the last round. It was an idea I shot over to Carl where we have to get a lot of candidates that walk into that room stressed out, never had a chance to attend a workshop. So trying to, once again, make people more successful getting them armed with the information early was the intent of this one. So roughly one week after your submission is accepted to defend, we will have a 90 minute call with just the candidates for that round, myself and probably a couple other panelists, where we'll go through some content similar to the workshop content, but basically when you walk in to the, the VMware site, this is what to expect. Here's the process, here's how it will go. Um, here's what to expect as you go through that. Once again, kind of take away the stress, take away the, the, the unknown of that day because it's you know, so much is left to that point. If you at least have an idea of how that's gonna go, maybe it'll help some. Um, also, we go through some of the workshop content in the sense of this is what we look for, this is what we expect. You know if your presentation drones on for 60 minutes, you may want to tighten it up, things of that nature. And then literally it's a, at that point, 60 minutes, roughly for Q&A. You can ask the panelists anything you want. Uh, we may or may not be able to answer it, but it's, it's meant to be a chance for you to air any questions you may have prior to your defense. Lastly, if, uh, if you can't make it, it will be recorded and you can submit those questions ahead of time if for some reason you can't make that call.
And last thing, um, and I will caveat this with the with the legalese bit that it is still under development, so it may change. One of the things I have noticed recently in doing all these workshops is there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between the VCDX program, the community, and the mentors as far as, I'll say, some of the expected behaviors during your defense. And I think part of it is um, the mentality of, well, this worked for me and I passed, so it's going to work for you too, when really every defense is probably going to be a bit different. So we're going to work on actually mentoring our mentors, going to all these mentors around the community saying, hey, look, this is what the panelists are looking for. I know your defense may have had some quirks, but in the end, this is what we need. These are the type of questions we're going to ask. So when you're when you're doing mock defenses with people, here's the types of questions you want to ask the candidates. Kind of really bring that community alignment together and get rid of a lot of the, the FUD that I see out there because it's been a lot of responses from candidates saying, well, my VCDX mentor told me this, when it's completely opposite of what we're actually looking for. So we're trying to, once again, enable people on all sides in the end to make the candidates more successful. So that's kind of a, a look at what's coming, what we have planned, what we're trying to do. So at this point, I am yours. Any questions you guys have, fire away. Yep, and we do have three live attendees, Ben Meyer, Styling Pena, who is a good friend of mine, and Tula C. Raman. I'm going to open up your microphones and feel free to mute yourselves if you want to. But the whole idea is that people that are, you know, going to attend BCDX this year, next year, if they have any questions, go ahead, you know, take advantage that the uh, Prime is with us. Um, I noticed something, and, and I'll, I'll say this because I'm also on the path I want to submit at some point next year. So I'll start with mine and everybody else can chime in. Uh, I think you mentioned in one of your slides that there have been some changes to the program within the last year. So I've attended the, the VMworld um, boot camps in 20, I think, through 2014 through 2016. Each one of them I learned something. So could you tell me some of the things that maybe have changed with the process in the last year? So in the last year, um, there haven't, I'll say, been specific changes to the program outside of what I noted. There were a, a significant amount of changes at the beginning of 2016, uh, things around max number of people for a submission, max number of attempts for a submission. I'll say one of the big ones being if you, so there's, there's submission of a defense and then there's actually the defense. They're considered two separate entities. So if you submit the same design three times and does not get accepted, you would have to submit a new design entirely. It's gotten to the point where we had some people trying to brute force it, for lack of a better term. So not only to effectively save our time and their money, um, we, we set a limit to it, saying, all right, if after three times this design isn't passing, it's probably not going to get in. Same thing in the defense. Um, if you defend three times unsuccessfully on the same design, you must come your next time with a new design. Um, I will say, and then limiting groups to three people maximum. Those were probably the two biggest changes last year. Um, as far as changes now coming into 2017, it's really around the double, triple process. 
and quadruple. Outside of that, there have not been too many, what I'll say, changes to the overall process in the program. It's more now around the enablement side. Very cool. And um, one other question that I had, and this is, you, you probably know Niran, Niran Devenshan and Agustin Milanko, who are panelists. And, you know, they were, they are really close to the New York community. So I, I remember specifically they told me, you know, as panelists, we cannot help you. So could you tell us a bit about the, the line that panelists have to deal with? What can they say? What can, what can they help us with? Yep. Yeah, I, I know Niran and uh, Augustine quite well. Um, so as far as that, that line, um, panelists cannot be mentors. Mentor meaning we can't do design reviews. We can't partake in mock panels. That is it. We can do anything else as far as a mentoring aspect. We can't look at your design and give you direct feedback on your design. We can't sit on a mock panel and give you questions. Outside of that, a panelist can help you with anything else. I, I offer to people quite often, if you have questions on the program, if you have questions on, you know, is VCDX right for me? General, you know, what, what do you suggest kind of questions. I am more than happy to help, and I'll, you'll find that most panelists are as well. Very cool. So overall program questions, uh, psychology questions, I guess, uh, blueprint questions, that's fine. As, as long as we're not discussing or doing, you know, particular design or mocks, you know, they can be, they can guide, they cannot be a mentor, they cannot be a mock panelist. Yeah, and, and one of the, the gray areas that I, I do kind of, I'll say, walk along at times is people asking me, is this a good design? Um, it's not specifically to your design because you haven't picked one yet. So I'll get people asking, you know, here's the design I'm thinking, would this be a good design? Um, so I, I do answer those questions fairly often. And just to say it now, I'll say anything that you do different. If it is a design where you did something crazy and wild because of some requirement and constraint, that makes it a good design. If it's something very cookie cutter, very plain Jane, you either had way too many constraints or none at all, it is most likely not a good design to use for the VCDX. We want to see how you think outside the box. We want to see your ability as an architect. Yeah, and I also imagine when people are reviewing design after design, they want to find something interesting and cool that they can dig into, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so we have some questions from Stalin, and I don't know, Stalin, if you can talk at the moment or not. Um, if you want to, you are, you can totally unmute. Okay, you can't. Okay, no worries. I'll I'll ask the question for you. Uh, so Stalin has a couple of questions, mo mostly on submission deadlines. Are there? Will there be more submission deadlines after September two thousand seventeen? And what, what is the plan for submission dates for 2018? So I'll do the 2018 one first. Um, that they don't determine until the end of the year, but it is generally on a very similar cadence as the years before. There is generally one submission per quarter. That is, I'll say the rough guideline. You will always see one roughly every three to four months. Um, and Partly the reason they pick them is they have to kind of hop around some different events, whether it's VMworld or internal events that the, the panelists are heavily involved in. So that, that part, partially dictates where they land. Uh, but those haven't been determined. They won't be determined until 
probably late Q3, early Q4 of this year. As far as the submissions this year, everything that is set um, up on the VCDX calendar is what is set for this year. If there is a large influx of submission or you know people wanting to go or we're, we're starting to get too many submissions for a certain submission date, um, they will add them as needed, but it, it's really on an on-demand basis. So what is up on the VCDX calendar is what's set for the year. Um, you can technically submit your design anytime. You don't have to really wait for a submission date. Um, the only thing is we won't guarantee that you'll get a response until the set submission, you know, submission period scoring is supposed to hit. Um, you may, you may not. It totally depends upon panel's availability. But if you kind of fall outside one of those windows, my suggestion to you is if you're not going to make it, submit it, send an email to vcdx.vmware.com, explain the situation. They may be able to do something for you. Yeah, very good. Uh, here's another follow-up question. Well, and this probably falls into what the same thing I was going to ask. Now, normally the defense locations are Palo Alto. I've seen some defenses being done in the UK. Um, Stalin is asking, are there any plans to do defenses in the East Coast? I think I, I also saw some in Colorado, right? Yeah, so that's actually been one of the things uh, many of the panelists brought up to the program, just because of the, frankly, the T&E costs to Palo Alto are, are astronomical. Um, so we did a run in Broomfield uh, this last go around. So Broomfield, Colorado is much cheaper than Palo Alto. Um, I think that was kind of a pilot to see um, getting everything set up with the with the new back end team that we have to make sure everything went smoothly. I would say since that one did, you're going to start seeing them in other locations more and more, uh, potentially Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Austin, Texas. I would, would say I would the other two locations potential. So I would say in the U.S. wise, it will be one of those four locations going forward. As far as the method by which they pick that is completely up to the, the program management. And I think part of it too is depending on some of the panelists availability. So we, we give them our availability far in advance. And if say all the, the California based panelists are unavailable, they'll most likely move it to another location and vice versa. Uh, as far as outside the US, we just stains the UK is going to be sticking with that one for a while to come. Um, and I know with the price increase, one of the goals was to get additional locations in APJ and more defenses APJ. So as it is right now, it's either you know Singapore or Sydney, depending on how things land. Um, so that's something that hopefully will increase and spread as time goes on. Yep. And one one thing that I've noticed is if there's several people that want that are near to one location, they can start asking Carl. They can they can start lobbying to have defenses. Like in this case, the UK. I think there were several that were willing to defend in the UK. So if it's done with time, normally, you know, people can actually try to accommodate. If there are you know five people in Australia trying to do it, it's much more likely that it will open. But but you have to be thinking of a time frame, you have to be thinking, you know, have to have a, a certain communication with other people that are 
going to submit and make sure that people know that this, you know, that there's not just one, but there's several people trying to go to one location. Yeah, absolutely. And if you got to look at it from an economic standpoint, they have to send out at least three panelists, potentially four, to a location. So if they have to send four panelists from the U.S. to Australia for a single candidate, that's a pretty high cost, and they most likely won't do it. So it's, it's kind of the economies of scale bit. As we get more applicants in certain areas, we'll start putting in more panels to those areas. Okay. We do have a question, a pretty, I guess, on point question from Ben Mayer. Uh, from Joe's perspective, what are the main mistakes that candidates do during the design defense and design scenario? That's a great question. Uh, design, I, I will, uh, <laughs> this, this could be a long answer. Yeah. So I will give you at least the, from my perspective, the top ones that I run into as a panelist. So first one, and this is one I've added to the workshop as its own slide, is out of scope and next phase. Now, in, in reality, in the real world, that is a completely normal thing. You, customer engagement will say, you know, this is next phase, don't worry about it now. What happens in the terms of the BCDX defense, if you say next phase, all of your recoverability, customers not worried about backups until six months from now. While in the VC, in the, in the real world, that's fine, completely valid. In the terms of the VCDX, that's a big problem because now you just completely next phase a section of the blueprint, which blueprint equals scoring. So we can't score you on it. So if, it's a design that you have that's real, and you it was the next phase. What I will tell you is add that to the design. Don't go into full detail. Just say, you know what, customer says this, this is next phase, but if we were to do this now, this is what it would look like. Because not only do you hurt your chances getting to the defense room, you're now wasting time in the defense room. So that's a big one that's, that's come up lately. Uh, another one, once again, come on the whole time bit, is the presentations. If you look at the blueprint, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the exact quote, executive level overview. Your presentation should be 10 to 15 minutes tops, CX level person, director, VP. If you start getting into BIOS revisions and driver levels in your presentation, What's the CX level going to do? They're going to start checking their phone. Remember, the panelists have already read your design when they walk into that room. They already know it. They've already got questions lined up. Your goal here is to kick it off. So high-level overview, key requirements, key, key constraints. If you have 50 requirements, don't read them all to us. And I'm saying this because this type of thing does happen. Um, you know, pick your top three or four of each. So high-level Executive overview, that's, that's big mistake number two. And that's not so much a bad thing, but it's a big time waster. And that 75 minutes goes really quick in that room. Um, a few other things, well, I'll switch to the scenario side of it. Not listening to the panelists, um, being unable to stick in the logical space. Um, we're all techies. We want to go where we're comfortable. We're comfortable in the tech. That's all the nerd knobs and features. When really the scenario is meant to be 
logical level. So stick to the logical. Listen to those answers from your panelists and use the information we're giving you. If you're not getting the information you need, ask very poignant questions for it. Um, don't turn it into a sales session. You know, find the requirement you want to hit, focus on that requirement. Don't try and finish the whole design. You've got 45 minutes, there's no way you're going to do that. Um, we want to see your process. We're interested in what's going on in your head, how you got from point A to point B. So focus in on that. Um, I could honestly go on for two hours on this topic. Um, last one I will throw out there is risks. People are so focused in general on how the solution is going to work, no one thinks about how it can fail. And, you know, in general, submissions I receive, it's the standard set of risks. You know, the customer is not trained on this product, that's a risk, you know, that, that type of stuff. What I really want to see is if you design the solution a certain way and you made a decision, you justified it, this is how it's going to work. What happens if that piece stops working? What's the risk to not only that decision, What's the impact to the business in your business requirements? I want to see that kind of level of thought. And people completely skip over that in general. So if you look at the blueprint, risk and risk management is on there. So that's another area that's, I'll say, fairly heavily missed. Um, what I suggest to people there is as you're building out your design, you, you can include this in your documentation or not, not required. As you make a decision, list a couple other different ways you could have made the decision, and then what are the risks in any type of failure or people-person breakdown on the process, whatever it may be, make that kind of thought tree and have that information ready, not only for doing your design document, but that will come in very handy to have in your head come the defense. Those are excellent answers right there. Um, I'm gonna dial in on something you said, especially when when you're when you start your defense. And yes, you are doing a high-level overview. You are focusing maybe on the things that are very interesting about your design. You have all the supporting material in your presentation. Um, should you plan on making a short presentation and then letting the panelists guide where they are interested? Absolutely. Um, what we suggest is, you know, 10 to 15 slides. You know, if you look like at the DCV blueprint, you've got networking, compute, storage, make a slide for each one of those sections, lightly hit each one. It's meant to be that conversation starter. Remember, when we walk into that room, we spend at least four hours reading your design, and we already have a pile of questions ready to go. Your presentation will kind of get that, it, it also helps you in the sense we will generally let you talk for a few minutes before we start shooting questions just so that way everyone can kind of get into their groove and nerves calm down before the firing squad begins. And at that point, you know, if you start talking about your network design, and I may have like five network questions piled up, that's a great point for me to jump in and start asking. So it's really meant to be that, just that kickstart. If you start getting super detailed in it, what happens is you may be talking about something you covered 
very well in your documentation that I have no questions on. So now you're up there talking about something that you already covered in the document that I don't need to know anymore, but now I can't ask the five questions that I have. So that's why that's, it's an issue for people that get super detailed and avoid the high level. Your backup slide bit, that's fine. If you want to have, I think on my defense, I think I have like 60 backup slides. Have those there, have them at the ready, but you don't want to go through that in your overview. Very good. And um, let me double check on Twitter and Slack if I have anything else. What other uh, advice do you think you want to put out there, especially because you know this is a YouTube channel. A lot of people will see it at some point, especially through the years. Oh, where to begin? Um, <laughs> I would say make sure that as you go down this process, as you decide to really look at doing the VCD exit, there's only 250-some, and there's not 250-some because there's not people out there that can't do it. I think there, I believe there are many thousands of people that are more than qualified to be a VCDX. The problem is time. It, it's, it is a time commitment, and generally time is something that most people are lacking. So if you're going to sit down and start this, make sure you have the time budgeted. You have the commitment to go through and do this. But what I will tell you is that from my personal experience, I would not be where I am in my career today without it. Just like people invest in their futures with classes, uh, going back to school, whatever it may be, training to improve themselves, this is the same thing. It's really an investment in your future because not only, yes, do you get, the, you get your number, you get your certification, um, what you will learn in the process is invaluable. Uh, it changed the way I do my job significantly um, just with what I learned. I failed my first attempt, and I always tell people there's nothing wrong in failing. It's only wrong when you don't try again. It, you will learn a lot as you go through this whole thing. I learned a lot in my first failure. I continue to learn right up until the point of actually succeeding. And it's one of the reasons I like being a panelist. I love learning from the candidates. So it's... Uh, it's a very enriching process. I tell people to seriously consider it, um, but be prepared for it. It's not, it's not easy, but nothing worth doing is ever easy anyways. Um, what I will also say is use the community. Um, the VCX hashtag on Twitter is, is quite powerful. Greg Robertson's group on the Slack channel I've heard about Get with other people that are pursuing the VCDX. They're going to be your best resources when it comes to forming small study groups, um, getting people that are in the, on the same track as you. And since they're invested in their own, they're going to be invested in helping you. So it's, it's that, that teamwork thing. Um, those are, for me, it was key. It was very helpful to have that insight from my teammates, have someone to work with going through the process. Um, it would have been much more difficult going through it alone. So I highly recommend looking at that as well. And honestly, reach out to panelists. And I'll, I'll end with that. I'm out on Twitter. There's quite a few panelists out on Twitter. Um, we, will, we, we want more VCD access. There's, I know it's always been out there for years. Even before I got mine was 
Uh, it's a bit, you know, people think it's this elitist club where we don't want more VCDXs. All of us do this volunteer. We don't get paid for it. Uh, we don't get compensated for it in any way. Uh, we want more VCDXs. I wouldn't be doing the workshops and all the other things if we didn't want to help the community succeed. Reach out to a panelist. If you have questions, ask. A lot of us are more than willing to give you insight, give you help, because in the end, the success of the VCDX program is your success and it's VMware's success. So we, we really do want to help the community grow. So please reach out. And I'll end on that note. Yeah, and, and I have to echo that because ever since I passed my VCAP design and, and I got basically the VCIX for five, I've had at least five VCDXs that have offered their time to me. And like you said, time is the most important thing in the world, right? And I have I have been amazed at how many brilliant people that I would normally be afraid, or especially when I started, I was totally afraid to walk up and talk to. You'd be surprised how many are just so willing to help and coach you. Uh, I did get one last question, and this might be like difficult to answer, but try to answer as best as you can. Um, can any information be provided on the scoring or scoring process? I understand it's confidential, but perhaps high level. So let me let me skirt on the edge here and give you guys what I can. Um, and this is something I do cover in the workshop to a degree to, to give some clarity behind how the scoring works. So when you submit your design, you your design is submitted to send out the three VCDXs, and we do what we refer to as a pre-score. This pre-score is what determines if you go to the defense room or not. And in the end, the panelists don't see the score. We fill a sheet, it, it goes through a magic decoder ring on the back end. But what's determined out of that is, do you have a material chance of success? Meaning, you, when you walk into that room, you could be on either side of the pass-fail score. But we've determined through the, the process that by your answers in the defense, you could either improve your score or you can worsen your score, but you're within range of passing. So then, as the panels go into the room, they've already read your design. We've already pre-scored it. Now, when we ask you questions, we're trying to get you points. We're trying to get you improved in scoring areas to get you to pass. This is why we say, and we're so intent on, listen to your panelists' questions. We're asking them for a reason. We're asking them because we're trying to get you points to pass you. We're not asking them to be mean, to beat you up. We're asking them because apparently there was a, a hole in your document somewhere that we need to fill. So that's one piece of it. Um, it's about as detailed as I can get. On the scenario side, it's, and this is something that it, it is a misconception in the community, and I approach this in the workshop, but I'll, I'll touch on it here, is that you do your design defense, you leave the room, take a break, come back, and there's been this idea that the panelists are being mean to me because let's just say we, you know, there was a discussion on storage during your defense. It didn't go well. Um, so then suddenly you're now in your scenario and it happens to be a storage scenario. We're not doing that to be mean. We actually have the ability to steer the scenarios in the direction we want based upon 
the answers we give you to your questions. So let's say if you did poorly on storage, you still have some holes there we need to fill. We can actually make your scenario more storage focused to effectively give you a second chance. So some people have taken this and, and gotten a bit frustrated because, oh, we're asking about storage again when they already got beat up on it before. No, it's a second chance for you to pass. So that's kind of roughly how the scoring works. I can't get much more than that, but what I will tell you is read the blueprint. The scoring is in the blueprint. Everything we score on is in there. If you look at on the DCV, I want to say it's like page 11 or 14, there's a chart that shows you know, availability, recoverability, so on with compute network storage. And it's a you know, big grid. If you can check all those boxes showing that your design covered those points, you're going in the right direction. That's about as much as I can give. That's, that's perfect, actually. I'm going to give an opportunity to one person that joined late. I'm going to open up your microphone in case you want to ask a question. And if not, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, end on this note. I, Joe, I really think um, that we could maybe re recompile some questions or get some people that are maybe in the process of submitting who are most probably interested in this and you know being able to ask a panelist. But I think you've done a, a great session today. And there's a lot of meat in there for whoever watches the recording. So I thank you for that. No problem. And I'm more than happy to do this again. If you guys get another another group lined up, I'm more than happy to do this as many times as you want. Sounds good. Um, I did open the Microsoft for one person that joined, but he didn't. He self-muted. There is one person joining right now that I'm going to allow him to finish joining. And then I'm going to open up his microphone. You know, let him know that we're almost finishing, but if he had any question, he can ask it. Um, yeah, so Nicholas Borgstrom, who just joined, I'm going to unmute your microphone. We are basically finishing the live presentation, but if you had a question for a panelist, please go ahead and do it now. And if not, then we'll finish, but... I really appreciate everybody that joined and asked questions. Uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that helps everybody long term. So again, thank you, Joe. And this recording should be up in at least you know one day or so. And if I get more traction out of Twitter or Slack with people asking more questions, I will let you know, Joe. Okay, great. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much.